Hi, I'm Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Back girl. I don't know why, but I just felt like I had to was, start this episode of the High Tech Podcast with that. That was beautiful. Song. That was that yes. was everything I'd hoped it to be. I'm I'm jumping right to it. Okay, I am so excited. I'm jazzed. I've got a playful and energized attitude <laughs> about me. We are excited to be speaking with momentarily, Doctor Shar. Wow, Doctor Sharon Laricella. I tried to like put the yeah. words together you're, you're um, so jazzed you forgot to be like hey you're listening to the high tech podcast uh yeah, in case you, anybody, oh, by the way know, forgot or the bad and, signal uh, is high you are here at the <laughs> high tech podcast <laughs> we're yeah. having fun no this is an episode normal episode except it's gonna be an interview it's me will illingworth one of your hosts with that guy josh Swartz. my name is josh yep and i'm also one of the co-hosts of co-host. the high tech podcast yeah yep we're here pretty excited yeah. for this one um you know a lot of folks are bailing ship on Twitter. Respect. Hey, deal with what you got to deal with. But I am finding it still a gold mine. Okay, we just met our guest today through Twitter. We've met a couple of other recent guests on Twitter. I keep staying in contact with folks that we meet at conferences and stuff like that through Twitter. Like, hey, you know, might not be your favorite owner or situation, but it keeps bringing us cool people. So I hope that y'all can respect that. We're finding more Twitter friends every yeah. single day this has been a great opportunity um what are you doing dude you're you're at the beach you're, yeah you're yeah, yeah. so before we before we get into our guest you may have noticed uh like one of our past episodes that uh my background is different will and i are doing this thing where we're rotating who goes to the beach to record <laughs> like it's kind of it's been our it's like been our vibe so, passing in the night <laughs> yeah so will the last several episodes if you've watched our episodes you may have noticed his background kept changing slash headset slash whatever was going on that was because <laughs> what was at the beach uh, while we recording a handful of the opening ai series uh episodes but i am here for this this interview uh in the in the bunk room you guys can't tell that but there are bunks over here i found a decent spot that was not taken up bunk by a bunk. room a yes. yes bunk room a and technically the only bunk room there's only one bunk no, no, room but there. it's still but, bunk room a like in yeah, my mind still, my heart it's yeah just... exactly it's still there but again let's go back to what we was talking about at the beginning of, at the beginning of the episode <laughs> because the where will and i are located is not important you now know we're here we're we're the high-tech podcast we're all running in but like uh will said we are interviewing dr sharon loricella I said it correctly, right? I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Nailed it. Nailed it. See, I should have followed the principle. I just say it confidently, but I didn't. So you all know that I was unsure. Um, who? Yes, we've referenced some bat jokes here because her handle on Twitter uh, is Doctor Batgirl. That is how Will and I uh, first met. Sharon uh, was through Twitter, uh, connecting in several different places. We this has been coming for a little while, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, we connected with Sharon a, a while ago. And just things didn't work out. Um, and uh, Sharon was now able to join us. And I'm super excited for this episode because um, she ha- is a wealth of knowledge around a topic uh, of this playful learning idea that we've talked about on the podcast before. Uh, and uh, I'm really excited to hear her opinions and kind of perspective on it. Because unlike where you and I have talked about this before, and even our conversations with, with Justin uh dr justin harbin who's been on the podcast before as well around this topic none of us have been experts in the topic (laughs) um will Will and i and justin are just kind of like we like this idea uh this topic's fun um sharon's actually i would put her in the expert field uh of this topic she is uh coming out with a book is actually already out ludic pedagogy and she's gonna be talking a bit about that uh book here on this episode but really kind of the theory and the the pedagogy she approaches in teaching that kind of drove the creation of this book um and the creation of kind of the philosophy she has uh behind this and so there's there's a ton of information here there's a ton of great stuff uh, and really excited for what sharon has to share with us so i kind of just took the ropes on finishing out the intro will sorry oh <laughs> so with it, that man. i think we don't need anything else from us let's let's hear from the Batgirl herself, 
Friends, there's already been enough laughs as we've been getting the tech settled and getting <laughs> caught up and getting to meet each other. We're very excited, though, to bring the laughs forward with Dr. Sharon Lauricella. Uh, thank you for joining us, Dr. Batgirl. Also, also Dr. Batgirl from Twitter. How <laughs> are you say, doing You can't today? let that one slide. That's got to be in the, the AKA title right there. Unless we're not supposed to reveal your secret identity. In that case, Oops. we're sorry. No, I'm, uh, I'm fully, I, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm, I'm on threads now. I'm trying out threads and trying to... <laughs> <laughs> trying to build my life on threads oh my god That's oh, wherever the students are game, wherever the it? people are follow them there right yes yeah yeah that's amazing um so you are uh, in canada is that correct i am in canada and just uh, outside you know, toronto there's a little bit of things going on in the world at the moment are you anywhere close to these fires is is are you okay is everything safe where you're at we are safe here just outside Toronto, but we do have a lot of haze in this yeah, area. I don't okay. think I've seen the sun really fully for quite some time. Ugh. That's, uh, you know, listener, you know, most of us might be hearing this in July of 2023, or I guess August of 2023. But if anybody listens to this into the future in perpetuity, right, there was <laughs> crazy fires and crazy smoke all year in 2023. Mm -hmm. We were back to playing the 2020 bingo of what could go wrong this year, right? That was where we all were. We were stuck in our houses in the pandemic. Um, Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. We're very excited not only for meeting Dr. Batgirl, getting to hear about some of the fun you're engaged with, but uh, seeing a little bit about, I think, a book we were going to be hearing about. Before we jump into those details, um, would you mind giving us some background? What got you into teaching? How did this career, this, uh, alter, this alter ego or persona of Dr. Batgirl come to be? Well, I can address how I got into teaching. I think I think I was born a teacher. Okay. Um, my my dad. I, I, I come by it honestly. I was born yeah. a teacher. My dad was a kindergarten teacher, and okay. mm. I was brought into his classes when, as soon as I could walk and talk, really, and. I remember sitting and reading in these little reading nooks and thinking that was just the coolest place to be. I just loved it. I loved everything about school. I loved being with other kids. I loved reading. I loved all the activities. I loved all of that. And I think, you know, I have always gone back to school in September. There's never been a September that I haven't done that. So, um, you know, it, all through, you know, going to undergraduate and then graduate school and then staying in education, it sort of never really occurred to me not to, not, not to be in teaching. And, you know, wow. while I was in, in grad school, you know, it's a very research centric life, you know, where right. everyone's head down into the research, into the studies, into the grants and, and the publications and that sort of thing. And that was very much part of my grad school existence, of course, but what really lit me up and what really gave me life was the teaching part and I realized whoa this is something is different about what's what's exciting me right now and I think I'm a little bit different and <laughs> you know I that can be a good you know, thing everyone has a, that can be a very be a good, good thing. thing in education <laughs> it can be well you know it, it kind of in some ways it's hard because being at an, an institution where research is king and you know, grants are king and, and publisher parish and that sort of thing. Being the faculty member that is, you know, the one who focuses so much on teaching and and prides myself on, on teaching being most important, you know, it, it, it's not always easy being playing that role. Uh, but I, you know, at the end of the day, teaching, I think for me is so essential, not just for me as a person, but also for my university. You know, I, I find that when students go 
you know, when they're choosing their university, they're not going on campus going, oh, what is, what are my professor's research agendas? Where are my, (laughs) where are my professor's (laughs) grants from? You know, like, does my research, does does my professor hold um, two million or six million dollars, you know? So that for me, like the teaching is really where I'm able to connect with so much vibrancy in life. Yeah, mm. I, I, I literally had that experience personally. I went to my undergraduate expecting to go into one degree and I was just flipping through the book and I was like, what's this thing called TESOL, teaching English to speakers of other languages? And they're like, oh, the program manager's on campus. Maybe we could meet real quick. And that was it. I met her and never turned wow. back. I went into that program and, and, and loved it, right? But I had no, I didn't even know what it was until that moment where I looked at it in the book and they offered for me to meet her and meeting her, I, I bought into not only the mission vision of uh, her and her program, but like, I love the, the study. Right. And, and that's yeah. proof, right. That, that, that I, I didn't know anything about what she was doing with it or research or, or wanted to be a, a historian or right? like I wanted to do that teaching English stuff really caught my, caught my attention and arrested me. Yeah. 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 A teacher changes people's lives. And now it also sounds like, you know, a little bit from the front end, like you're an extrovert in an in typically kind of introverted career, like education researchers can be pretty introverted. So you've got both sides mm-hmm. of that coin, I suspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that until very recently <laughs> because I struggled during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID mm-hmm. really was yeah. a reckoning, Yeah, you know, I was home in the house with my pets and my children and it was hard. And I really threw myself into online teaching and, you know, I saw a lot of people struggle with online teaching and that's, I I really reached out a lot on Twitter with that. A lot of people struggled with um, learning new apps and, and teaching online and I was digging it. I loved it because for me, it was, oh my God, I get to see people today, (laughs) you know? Unbridled. Um, (laughs) You have the whole internet's worth of people to reach. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Can be dangerous, but hey. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it it was the highlight of my day and week when I, when I got to teach, you know? Um, So that, that part was hard. You know, the, the having to stay home part was hard for me. Um, But the, the teaching part was so cool because I got to experiment with so many um, new and weird things. And I got my students on board. Like, have you tried, have you guys tried this? No. Okay. Awesome. Me either. Let's do it. (laughs) You and me, we're in this together. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. The experimenting and just wanting to to interact and engage. Uh, You, you are a little bit of a, of an oddball out in the, in the, in the researcher and faculty world a little bit. Um, but I love it because uh, you'd be a faculty member I would love to work with. So um, <laughs> I, I, I love that dynamic, though. Um, and I think let's this, do it, Josh. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, for sure. Let's do it. Um, I think this fun attitude and probably the, that uh, desire to dig into, I don't know, maybe led mm-hmm. to what this book that you've come out with now. So let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about that. Um, what's the, the book about? So Ludic for those, we'll, we'll say the title here, Ludic Pedagogy, a seriously fun way to teach and learn, uh, which I love this title. Uh, can you explain a little bit about what the, what led to the book maybe and what it's about? Um, and even, uh, tell maybe the listeners as you educated Will and I here a second ago, what, what Ludic means, uh, as we're, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Ludic means, to play or to play games. It's Latin word. So it's really having play and fun with teaching and learning. And the the story of how this came to be is actually quite funny. Um, it was in the depths of COVID. Like the, the, you remember the semester where everybody had to do emergency online teaching? where we all (laughs) ran home in a panic and were like, ah, this is emergency online. And we had to do that. Yeah. And then we had the summer and then we moved into like legit online teaching and learning where we kind of had to know what we were doing. 
So, because we had time, right? So in that summer... (laughs) Time. Yeah, ish. (laughs) So we were... Nothing else going on in 2020. (laughs) Yeah, there was... Yeah, that and everything else. So over the summer, everyone's on Twitter sharing everything that they were doing and not doing and sharing best practices and worst practices and whatever. And I was online being my bad self, sharing (laughs) things that I was planning to do with my online classes. And someone I didn't know posted something that said something like, you know, everyone's talking about all this new ed tech and this and that, but has anybody thought about actually how fun any of this is going to be? And I was like, heck yeah, I want to be friends with you. So I replied to him and we got into this big, long conversation, bantering back and forth. And turns out he's Canadian, lives in uh, Manitoba, and we were fast friends immediately. Awesome. we then struck up an online friend or, you know, off Twitter friendship. Um, I ended up being super good friends with his wife. And then a month later, we said, you know, what? I feel like we could write a book about this. And some 18 months later, the book was written. Wow. So, wow. yeah. That's fast in book book years, right? Yeah. In book years, it's it's pretty quick. But... We, we came up with this framework where fun is the motivator. Fun is what motivates students, right? Like fun is what, there's four elements to this ludic pedagogy model. Fun is the motivator. This is what motivates students to come to class, to do stuff, to engage, to get in there. And then play is an activity. Play is what we can do with our students once we get there, once we either get online or in class or, or whatever. Right. And then playfulness is the, the third element, and that is the attitude. That's the attitude that you have when you show up for class, when you show up to do your reading, when you show up to do your assignments. And that's the kind of attitude that you embody when you take on the ludic mm. pedagogy. Mm. And then positivity, the fourth element of this is the affect. Positivity is the moods and the emotions that are evoked from this ludic pedagogy that we feel positivity when we're engaging in this way with the material and with each other. So the book is about how can we create this environment that will encourage students to engage with the course material with each other and that will in turn help students to stay in the course to stay in their program to stay at their universities and to stay involved and be lifelong learners right not even to make it like we all can assume maybe the value of making a moment fun, but this is talking about persistence. Mm-hmm. This is talking about yeah. life change. Not only will they yeah. persist through the course, through a week, through a hard time, but if this works, you've made them a more positive outlook. You've, you've given them this opportunity to, to assume a playful status or assume a playful approach to life just from hopefully a lesson, uh, a unit maybe a semester trying to impact them. Mm-hmm. I, I was a uh, listener, full transparency. We know nothing. We are learning in live time with you as you're listening <laughs> to Dr. Laura Cella. I was writing that down. I just love seeing that relationship. Uh, I, I've always loved motivation, motivation theory and study. It's fascinating what gets us going, what gets us involved. Yeah. The idea of focusing in on play. Okay, the activity is great. We all have activities, but are all of our t- activities playful? Not really, not usually. Um, attitude and affect, I mean, just not, not ignoring the human element of these things too. I mean, fun typically brings us towards the human element, but there's a research, there's a scientific, there's a cognitive mm-hmm. side to our humanity, mm-hmm. I think, that plays into the attitude and that affect study. I, I'm just already so excited. I love yeah. all of this. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I really, I really like this model. I'm making connections between, we didn't have a topic specifically dedicated to this, but in the past we were doing uh, kind of a gamified learning topic and we had a good friend of ours, Dr. Justin Harbin on, and he was starting to dig into playfulness in learning. He had a whole mind map mm. as he does. Um, and uh, he, we were talking a little bit. And one of the things we were talking about was just this idea of how, when you build kind of a, a fun environment, a kind of looking as learning as play in a certain extent, um, how you can kind of create this place where it provides more freedom for students to be willing to experiment and do things that they would feel uh, less willing to do if it was more of a rigid structure. And we know from looking at learning science mm-hmm. and looking at the way people learn, it's when they're in those environments where they feel more free to experiment yes. and explore that they actually discover things more. They learn more. They learn what not to do or what to do. Like those, those all come together to create a healthier learning experience for students. So I just, I'm loving kind of the way I think you've, you've structured this a little bit more in, a, in kind of a pedagogical model here um that mm. yeah it's it's really yeah, I'm, I'm loving this i'm loving the direction so here's an impromptu um coming off of josh's mm-hmm. there like do you address gamification as a as a theory as an approach in your text because i i see a, a big difference and i'd like to maybe t- tease it out a little yeah. bit but do you address that yeah we do. And Keith is really good at talking about this too. Um, we do address gamification and games. Gamification and games are two different things, yeah, right? right? So right. we can we can gamify topics anything. And, and, and anything. And we yeah. can play games, which is right. a different a, a different idea. And one of the things that I wanted to pick up on, Josh, that you were talking about, um, the the safe space um, to take risks and stuff like that. And that's a, a, a little bit of a twist on, on games ever so slightly. And in that kind of safe space where you know you can kind of fail a little bit um, because, you know, it's a game, right? Or, or yep. it's a, it's a, playful kind of thing. And it's like this attitude of playfulness. And I want to make sure that we delineate between fun and games and playfulness, because there are a lot of topics that are not playful, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I teach communication and digital media, and we talk about some serious stuff, like, you know, images of death, and images of grief and like stuff that is not Mm -hmm. like fun or, you know, positive or like lighthearted. Like this is serious stuff that, that involves very serious ethical consideration. And And it's not too light of that or turn that into a game. We're not doing that. So we have to still, yep. Yep. Keep those boundaries. Exactly. Exactly. There's boundaries around that. And when we say playfulness, we don't mean like, oh, ha ha, like, oh, this is all playful in a game. That the, the idea is that we look at things with a sense of curiosity, right? Yeah. So students can consider something like, let's take something very serious, like uh, the Holocaust, right? We, that is certainly not a playful thing. <clears throat> this is a serious, a, a serious concept. But we look at it with a sense of curiosity, that we look at it Mm. in a way that we perhaps haven't before and examine things in a way that we can talk about it safely and tease things out in ways that are thoughtful, that we're not going to um, you know, that it's not going to be like a, a, a multiple choice question where we get something wrong or whatever. Um, but the, the sense of playfulness is not so much a game, but it's a, a curious attitude that we take on that is thoughtful and caring, but playful in a way that is um, inquisitive, right? Yep. Mm. Yeah, so, that's the core of education. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> Being inquisitive. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I love that's... this. I love I love hearing these conversations come up because we 
I'm more prone to hearing the gamification side, just the people I follow, the connections I'm in. But like Dr. Mm -hmm. Justin Harvin mentioned before, yourself, some folks come at this from this playfulness side. And it's like, you can get to playfulness through games, but gamification is a is a mechanical strategy, yeah. in my opinion, yeah. on how to turn what is not game into game. And sometimes things that are not yeah. games are not fun in the first place for a reason or <laughs> mm -hmm. are not going to become very fun, yeah. even if you put points on them. Right. And I think yeah. the, they I think the opportunity games. here. <laughs> That's the thing we've, all, we've all played a bad game. The opportunity and, the, and the, the relationship between those two, in my opinion, is if we can come to your side of this ludic pedagogy, we could make gamification better. You know, I don't think you can yeah. make gamification better by just slapping gamified strategies on any curriculum. Yeah. I think there's this playfulness, there's this awareness of motivation, there's this engagement in, uh, in attitude and positivity that's that's critical to the player, to mm -hmm. the to the to the teacher who's leading the players, right? That yeah. you're not just going to get because you gamify something. Yeah, I, I always, we don't need to go too far into that. I it's a separate topic, but I, I think a lot of people are going to hear play these days and assume Minecraft in the classroom. That can mm -hmm. happen, but I, I don't, I want, I'm hearing that that's not your thesis and I'm loving the thesis you are bringing about how we can be a playful teacher, a playful learner and yes. what that means towards our approach to academia. And yes. I see already the extrapolation of how we could be as people. On top yes. of that, I did cut off Josh. Was there something you were going to go in for? No, nothing vitally more important than what <laughs> you just said. So you're good. <laughs> That's, so good. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, now, there there is a technical thing we want to just kind of dig into a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. how do you see fun mm -hmm. and this this approach from your book? you know, impacting learning? Like, did you do a research study as to more fun class games come to higher returns? Or, or what, what are you seeing? You know, it doesn't have to be that. We know it could be any sort of research or uh, anecdotal analysis, etc. Okay. In terms of fun, we, we haven't collected our own data. We did a lot of, this is sort of a, a meta analysis is, is yep. what we did for this book. Um, so we, we connected, this is all very meta and, and it was really fun to do because it was a sort of bird's eye view. You're such a of, nerd. I know I'm a, I'm In a, a good way. massive nerd. I am I a it. massive nerd, but you know what? I have a lot of fun. And, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the two are not incompatible. Um, so it, it was it was really great to do that because we were able to connect a lot of things that are inherent in education, like um, recruitment, retention, um, these kinds of things in having fun, right? Like retention of information. Right. When when you're having more fun, you retain information, things like, you know, Duolingo and stuff like that. Like it's that's a little gamified, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, when you're playing a game and you, you tend to repeat things and, and have right. more fun with it. So um, you, you retain more information when you're having a, having fun. Um, you tend to students tend to uh, stay in their course remain in the in that exact particular course right mm -hmm. more readily if they're having fun if they make friends if they have a cohort they stay in their program if they're if they are having fun if they're engaged that sort sort of thing so student engagement is kind of the big buzz right now like oh mm -hmm. student engagement is at an all-time low that kind of thing so fun hugely changes student engagement right and that is like right. the big thing i i'm like barking up uh the chronicle of higher education's tree about about student engagement right like because they're all <laughs> lamenting about student engagement i'm like you got to give these people some enjoyment if school is a drag if everyone is just dragging themselves to class and lamenting about it the whole time no one's going to keep going you know, oh, and students, yes. that's so true. You know, it's painfully true. And, and where we were commodifying the degree where if they just check the boxes, they get through, right? Like that, that's a part of a conversation we had recently is, is higher education dying? 
because of this. We've commodified the process of learning into a rote procedure mm-hmm. that if they check the boxes, yeah. they get a degree. What? Oh, that'll be another episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is probably a good time to share with you and your listeners my um, sort of patented three-step um, special procedure when I do any sort of um, uh, assessment with my students, when I create any kind of uh, activity, assessment, um, any sort of any, any written assignment that students have to do, anything like that, I ask myself three questions and I give your listeners permission to um, work with this, especially if they give me a shout out on threads, because um, <laughs> I I'm, I really want to yes. get myself going there because Twitter is a, a, a dead horse at this point. Um, the first question, will this activity assignment, uh, whatever it is, this, if you're lecturing, don't, you know, I, that's not my favorite thing to do, but if you're doing, giving a lecture, if you're, um, you know, giving an assignment or something written, whatever it is, will this make my students more interesting at parties? And I'm serious. This is the A number one question. It is so important. Will this make my students more interesting at parties? And I use this in my class. To listen up, people. This is going to make you more interesting at parties. And no word of a lie, I've had students email me later and be like, Sharon, you will never believe this, but I was at a wedding and I was talking to somebody and I told them about this blah, blah, blah that we talked about in class. I'm like, listen, I told you that you would be interesting at parties. So... That's like, so parties can be... Listen, we're using a loose definition of parties. I love okay? it. I love it. I'm <laughs> like, dying. I love it. Parties, parties can be like, a, you know, a family party, like, you know, a family dinner, a wedding, something a little more upscale than like hanging out at the bar. But, you know, if you're, wanna, if you're an interesting nerd like I am, you're going to want to hang out with more interesting nerds. So you want other interesting people. So... You want to talk about current news events. You want to talk about, you know, other interesting things. So the the thing about making your students interesting at parties is not only are they informed about important topics, right? But also, can your students understand what you're teaching them so that they can boil it down Mm. simply enough that they can communicate it readily to someone who doesn't know anything about this topic, right? Yeah. That's what I mean by interesting at parties, right? Can they distill that? And can they do that if they're really nervous and communicate Ooh. that to someone mm. who they find very attractive, maybe, you know? Okay, okay. So okay. that's question number one. Second it. question, would I want to do this assignment? Would I want to sit through this lecture? Would I want to write this paper? Okay. And in one, a fourth year class, I actually do all of the assignments along with my students so that like I can, I can kind of see how long does it take me to do this assignment? Is this assignment fun? Like, does this take longer than I expected? You know, this kind of thing. So would I want to do this? I think that's a really important question. Is this boring AF? Yes. If it is boring AF, do not make your students do it. Why would you do that for your students? This is right? I'm, I'm loving so, these questions where I'm, we're hearing the uh, we're hearing the Bruce Wayne and also the Batgirl. You know the, the Brucette Wayne. I'm forgive me. It doesn't it breaks down. But I'm like I'm we're hearing the sciency legit side, and then it's like. Also, this is boring AF. Like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. If it's boring, would you want to do this assignment? Like le- legitimately. <laughs> Don't make your students do it. Um, the other, I lost one of my earbuds, but I can still hear you. 
um, because I'm, I'm Italian and I'm talking with my hands. I love it. <laughs> For listeners, I love it. I'm like all over the place. Listener, um, this is why you should question. go to YouTube and see everything. And then you'll hear the exactly. third question. <laughs> <laughs> the third question is, will I hate my life when I am grading, marking, giving feedback to my students? So in other words, will I loathe grading at the end of the semester or the assignment or whatever. Like I see people on Twitter or on social media being like, oh my God, it's grading. And if your assignments are that awful for you, like (laughs) you literally made up that assignment. Why are you hating grading that? Give yourself something fun to grade. Like I give my students, I say to students, okay, you can either do you whatever you want. You can do a podcast. You can do a paper if you really, if you like to write, that's awesome. You can do something on social media. You can make a painting. You can do like whatever. Because I want to see cool stuff yeah. when I see my students' assignments. Like I don't want to read the same paper there's, 65 times there's an analogy to um uh to cooking here right i mean to say like mm-hmm. you're giving these all these students recipes and then you hate what you eat yeah. you're, you're like they, it sucks yeah. what they're making for you sucks and you you have to eat it at the end of the day it's like maybe the recipe should be better you know like if you keep getting crappy food from your students not all of the students are bad cooks it's got to be the recipe there's got to yeah. be some some ownership here in the process. Laura, I, Sharon, I love these three questions, and I'm just my cheeks hurt already. I'm so thankful <laughs> that we're yeah. getting into this because I'm I'm just smiling the whole time. Yeah, you put awesome. these up, and they deliver. They're I I love these three <laughs> yes. questions, and I love I love that you're both they're fun questions. Like for the listeners, they're fun questions, but there's there's theory behind each of these. Like I love you explaining <laughs> even the the interesting of parties component, like the uh, Will wrote down in our notes, he's taking down your questions on our side notes here, the, making sure we have them. And he wrote down what I love you. It threw in there kind of like, can they, can they elevator pitch in a party type of idea? There's something really yeah. important about that. Like is yes. what I'm doing in class going to get my students to the point that they actually understand it well enough that they can go and yeah. repeat it to someone and not just regurgitate what you say, but actually distill down what they've learned. If you can yes. get a student, to that point that is that's the that's the win for me like if i can get a student out of my class like walking out and actually being able to talk about what they learned and wanting to talk about what they learned then we've done something right so i love that and i also love the two questions of just is it boring well i hate grading it because i've had the same thoughts you know we will and i work with faculty all the time and i i'll be in conversations Mm -hmm. with it be like i hate all these these papers i've got to finish grading and i've had the same thought in my head this is fresh for me right now Sharon, because I'm uh, designing my course while I'm on vacation uh, that I need to teach in the fall. And, uh, and, and I'm thinking, I was thinking about this just the other day and talking about it with a friend is that like, I hear people talking about this. It's like, yeah, but you made the course. Like those, those are the things you put in the course. <laughs> like it's nobody else made you make those things there. Like that's, you know, you're, you're the one who chose to have a 40 minute podcast. You're episode not from eating at someone at else's the, at the end of the course. Yeah. Like, so there's, there's something really valuable about that. Like thinking through, because I think it helps. One of the things I notice a lot of times in teaching, that's a difficulty, especially for those of us who like doing it is condensing down what we want to have students do focusing into what are the most important mm-hmm. things. And I think what's really cool is your questions in kind of a, I wouldn't expect any less in a fun way, help somebody start to think through how can I distill down to the most important things that I need students to do um, and want students to do mm-hmm. and that they should be doing. And I, I think there's, it, mm-hmm. it's awesome. I, I am going to myself be stealing these this week in case you were curious as I'm developing my course. <laughs> awesome. I give you full permission. Steal away. This course co-written by Dr. Batgirl. That should be on every page. Your students will be like, what? And they can click on Dr. Batgirl and it goes to Sharon's Threads account. Go to Sharon's Threads account. Do it. (laughs) Well, I've like, my my Threads is rotten right now. Like I've got over 30,000 Twitter followers and my Threads is like That's the beginning. That's the beginning of every social, right? 
You got to start yeah. somewhere. Yeah, make the transition. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build it up. Get my friends. <laughs> I love it. Good luck. Well, good luck Sharon, pulling those threads together. Ah, nailed it. But uh, good patented <laughs> high tech bad joke. Um, so Sharon, we could talk about this forever. So to to focus us back in a little bit and bring us back a little bit, uh, one of the things that in high tech that we love talking about. So as much as I hate to transition a little bit off this topic um is also to talk about apps like one of the things that will one of the reasons will and i started this podcast is because we felt like we knew a ton of apps that nobody everybody was just using like microsoft word and like and uh and google, and google docs and they weren't there were so many other things out there that they could be using so i'm curious i know you talked about on twitter you've seen a bunch and i'm sure you've got like a little library of what you're looking at what if you could recommend an app for your audience and maybe even specifically one you mm. found that's been kind of good to use in this kind of fun teaching pedagogy, what would what would be one of those recommendations? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a pretty big fan of Perusal. Yes. And um, Eric Mazur is just a really cool guy, and he's just lovely. Um, Perusal has been a game changer with my students because it gets them to do the readings. The reason they're doing the readings more when they do perusal is because the readings become social. Usually doing the course reading assignments is a solitary experience. Mm -hmm. When they do it with perusal, it becomes social and they can converse with each other. So, and I say readings, I use that loosely with my courses. We do videos and podcasts and whatever else, you know, all sorts of things. And I did a research study using perusal, which is coming out hopefully by the end of August. And I can send you a link to that when it comes out. Um, And I asked my students the benefits and challenges of using perusal. And I'll tell you my favorite comment that I got the, the, this whole thing passed ethics and whatever. And it was um, all anonymous. I have no idea who said this and I wish I knew who said this because Uh, I buy them, you know, some ice cream or something. But (laughs) one of the students said, I liked perusal. It was actually kind of fun. And Uh, I loved that question partly because of the fun thing, but the word I love in that is actually, and I, lo- I liked it because the student was surprised that using it was yep. fun, right? Like, yep. yeah. wait a minute, doing the reading isn't supposed to be fun. This is actually kind of fun. Like, what it, did you they do were, to me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did you do to me? What, what is this? What is this sorcery? How did you make my <laughs> vegetables taste good? <laughs> I know, exactly. Yeah, exactly like that. So... I, I like perusal for that reason, that students um, find the social aspect of that fun. This fall, for the first time, I'm going to try Critic, which I've never tried before. With a K, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is peer feedback stuff. Mm-hmm. I will report back to you on how that goes. Awesome. Uh, another app I use with my students is Discord, just because they're there and... We use it for fun and like posting memes and things like that. Josh and I always have Discord running. It's, it's oh, yeah. you know, it works. Yeah. yeah. I love Discord. I like it. It's perfect. Very cool. Wow. I mean, That's awesome. we've, I think, except Critic, we, we've done an episode on Perusal. We've done an episode on Discord. We both love them. We've actually had mm-hmm. a Perusal CEO. Was it Brian? Uh, I don't want to get that yeah. wrong. I think it's Brian uh, Litkoff. He he was on with us Brian. before. I was looking up the episodes on the side because I was curious when we did them. Josh we talked about on that. It's been a while. We talked about Perusal back in episode 12. Um, well, and I had discovered Perusal. And uh, not shortly after that, we talked to Brian. Um, Lutkoff, uh, I think. Lutkoff, yep, uh, from Perusal. Yeah, their their, their, their vision Sorry, is really cool for what they're, they're doing. And I think, it, to your point, that's it shows in the app that they are not just a company mm-hmm. that... Um, wants to create a tool they want to create something that actually is kind of changing the way people read and engage and um it's a it's a powerful tool um it's free too so that's pretty cool you know yeah that's a huge like i i I appreciate (laughs) that at a universe in the freemium models i appreciate that there's reason for universities to pay a big dollar 
to get a university license. There's privacy things, there's support things, there's so much to that. But if I'm a teacher trying to change something, could y'all just get out of my way, please? Like, mm-hmm. get the teachers teaching. And and I think that that's a lot of Perusal's attitude towards it that we, we really appreciate. Um, uh, I have to, just to be sensitive to your time, begin to stop us there. Thank you so much for all of this. This will hopefully not be the end, not for us at least. Um, Sharon, where can folks find the book? Is this out on the entire web? Is there a specific place you want to point them? Sure is. I would suggest that people get it from their local bookseller. However, it is available on Amazon. Uh, It is available on any major bookseller, Ludic Pedagogy. Excellent. I didn't go with the big A. I didn't say it. I I wasn't going to say it unless you wanted to. So, right. It's a lot of, it's very easy for a lot of folks. It's big support in that way, but I agree if you can get it locally, it's always great that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll make sure your socials, including your thread, threads, threads, thread are with uh, the episode page. And uh, we just thank you. Thank you again. We're going to do a little debrief here in just a second. I think the only way to summarize that conversation is it was fun. That was some darn right fun times. That's the I, feedback I have we would to put admit. on Sharon's yeah. course evaluation. Yeah. That was that actually was fun. fun. Yeah, there you go. That was <laughs> Sharon, there's fun. our there's our non um <laughs> anonymized research level feedback. Yeah. Uh, it was actually you know we fun. Said it. Yeah, uh, all our guests have been fun. But that that was a that was a fun, really really fun conversation yeah. of just uh, digging into this i this idea of playfulness and kind of this this engagement way to learning, uh, taking ourselves a little less seriously, um, not necessarily like disregarding serious topics or underplaying serious topics. I appreciated that Sharon got right. there in, right. in the conversation, um, but this idea of viewing learning is something that's actually fun to do when we do it well uh, and engage with it and having kind of that freedom to be curious and dig into topics. Uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And, and to the point that, you know, like the Holocaust rough things, like it's okay to, to talk about those. You can still put them in playful courses. But I, I think one of the points that was at least implicit, but I think, I think is a part of what, what uh, Sharon's getting to of, of, playfulness is that your students when you're in the most playful things and doing the game like things or fun activities they can be high they can happy they can be you know they can be upwards with their emotions but when they um go into those more negative or harder subjects they don't necessarily have that happy high emotion but they're just like okay we can still like she's saying approach this inquisitively i can be respectful i can be uh calm and, and quiet about it but not you know i think she's got the point of like sometimes the the hard things unless they're grotesque unless it's unless it's violent i, I hate to say it that way like unless it's like the hard negative things that are like rough in front of you those catch attention but if it's like let's study the holocaust like people can get unfortunately bored with something that's very somber and i and i yeah. think that if you've built that kind of content later on into a semester of a course that is playful, they're going to be all the better prepared to take on the Holocaust with the right kind of attitude um, and positivity without having to be giddy or, or funny about it. Like we can take it seriously, yeah. but not get bored doing it. And I, I think that too often I've, I've listened to and watched, you know, materials on the Holocaust. I'm like, yeah, this is a hard subject, but it don't have to be boring. This does not have to yeah. put me to sleep. Well, I think that's the core difference, right? Is that it's not about, um, I think it's, I love that Sharon is coming from a higher ed standpoint too, because we, we have this interesting dynamic and, and I think this shows up in K-12 too, but it's this interesting dynamic in higher ed where it's like, when you talk about the idea of it being fun, it, it feels like the pushback a lot of times in my experience is, well, well, we're not just looking to make entertain everybody, you know, or right. to... Right. Uh, make light of topics or or any of those things and that's not really what like Sharon or anybody who's perpetuating this is is looking to do they're actually saying no 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 no. it's not that we're trying to just make everything a game or 
ex- overly exciting and, and all that, that type of stuff, but that it's actually learning these topics can be exciting. All these topics that we look at in classes, and yes, there's some stuff that some of us are just never going to be interested in, um, but maybe we would be if somebody came to it and shared with us why they're excited, why they uh, are willing to to engage into this, what what uh, right. fires them up about the course, the topic, whatever, whatever they're jumping into. And it, like the Holocaust is a perfect example. I never thought I would say those words on the high tech podcast, but it's a perfect example where like <laughs> there are horrible things that happened during this and in doing the topic of saying it could be playful um, or being curious about it can immediately when you look at it is go, well, this is not a funny topic. No, you're right. It's not a funny topic. It's a horrible topic, but it is interesting to dig into how it happened, what happened, the the beautiful stories of the people who showed heroism and the moments of these horrible things. There's so much to learn from all of those yeah. things. And while they are very serious, heavy topics, when done right and cared for right, they can be engaging things that actually motivate students to want to learn more when you're just not presenting facts about the holocaust but you're actually getting into the people the the places the things that happened getting the students into the shoes of those people and those experiences that can actually be a really engaging positive impact for students off of a topic that's very horrible atrocious things happened but there there's such power and learning about what happened in those things that can transform students and the people that interact with them and so understanding that and engaging that well and i think that leads into sharon's three questions really well which is that in sharon's (laughs) three questions like i I gotta admit like we you know little people share these types of things that they do and and well and i think they're cool and we we really engage with them but like i am literally going to use this like tomorrow like i wasn't even joking with sharon (laughs) i'm in the middle of trying to develop a course that i need to teach this fall just in time resource on a deadline that i have uh when i get back from vacation um i haven't been procrastinating you have uh (laughs) (laughs) um but uh i'm really glad i did a little bit because there's this certain component like digging into what she says there uh there you know will this make my students more interesting at parties you hear that topic at first and i can already picture the five professors that i know they'll just like roll their eyes and think that's the dumbest question that they've ever heard but when she digs into it there's actual real theory behind the why she's putting that as kind of a a baseline checkpoint for herself is it's like will teaching my students this doing this a certain way having them do this get them to a point where they could distill down the information that they're getting from this class or distill down the the techniques they learned or the thoughts that they learned or you know what, whatever it is whatever those goals are that they can leave this class and, and go tell somebody else and actually be excited about it and even distill down what it is uh in in those areas there's real theory behind that pushing that fun component and in, in the other two of like you know what i want to do this this is a simple question that we as professors should be asking more often, like if what we're having our students do in our class, would I actually want to do that? If the answer is no, then like, why are we doing it? Is it because you saw another professor do it? Is it because it was the only thing you could think of? Is it because it's who did it in the class last time? Or is it because what you experienced that when you were learning the topic? Well, that, that doesn't mean much. I experienced a lot of things when I was learning topics that I don't want to do again. Like that, that wasn't something this, we like redo. I was tortured. Like, it, so, you know, yeah. I was tortured. So I must torture you is not an appropriate method. It's not an appropriate thing. Like, At the end of the day, for me, it's a win. If a student leaves my class excited about the topic, about the class, about what they learned and feels that they gained something from it and feels that they could go and tell somebody else about it or live differently because of it or whatever it may be. And that applies to any topic that you're teaching as a professor. There's a reason that you're excited about what you teach. So feed that into not just the what you say, but the design of the activities and, and assignments and assessments that you're creating. And I think, um, what Sharon has here is a, is a really cool question system for getting there. Um, and I, I think that's really cool. Just that, that, that whole concept of bringing it back together for how we design and, and develop the courses that we pull together. I, I, we don't talk about religion a lot on this um, podcast is not the point of it, but I want to just kind of come out and say that one of my primary religions is the, the church of Ted Lasso. Um, <laughs> and, I'm a I'm a devout follower. I'm not sure they're registered as a religion Lasso. right now, man. I don't know if that's a. They, they probably they shouldn't be. No, there's do no. Do we consider that a religion yet? Here. Is that a thing? It's not. I I do. Um, <laughs> okay, well, it's fine. I if guess you're that's not all the matter. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso is a TV show on Apple TV. 
It yeah. has emotionally affected my life in the last few years. I love this show. That's an understatement. One of the things <laughs> I've watched season one over 10 times and season one came yeah. out in 2020. So it's fine. I have not watched it a lot. I'm actually falling behind. I've only seen season three once. So I need to, I need to get on. Oh, yeah. First. Anyways, that's it's falling behind. <laughs> a lot of what <laughs> Sharon was talking about are principles and stories and emotions that are being taught through the the episodes of Ted Lasso. Let me get this out there. Ted Lasso sends, uh, says all sorts of curse words, deals with adult content. It is, an, it is a mature yeah. TV show. It is also not but a religion. It, it is not a religion. <laughs> Asterisk. Come clear. across. Not a religion. Not a religion. Not a religion. No, um, <laughs> but it teaches, I think it teaches this point to curiosity. I think it teaches this point to positivity. I think it teaches this point to being willing to fail. I think there's so much of Ted Lasso. I could, I was, I couldn't stop the whole time we we're talking to Sharon. I was just like, yep, Ted said that. Danny said that. <laughs> oh, yep. Sam said that. Oh, Beard Again, said that. I was like, just thinking not real people. All, all <laughs> I love Ted Lasso. I love the, I love the, um, I love the positive message it brings. And I think if anybody knows me, I think they'll, they'll take this for the commendation. It is Sharon, you know, your work and the work you're doing to support people learning and approaching the world this way, um, reminds me of Ted Lasso. And I, that is my highest. That's, that's highest a high compliment. compliment. Sharon, that yeah. is a super high compliment. Yeah. Um, so Keep, yeah. keep, keep driving people towards playfulness and curiosity. I, I just absolutely love it. Um, we are going to drive folks again to her book. I, we, we've, we've just yep. meeting her. We're just becoming familiar with this, but I think that all books are worth being read because we're going to learn something. We are either going to agree with it, disagree with it, or somewhere in the middle. And that mm -hmm. is always about learning. So we really want you to take a moment, find out where you are on the spectrum of ludic pedagogy. Uh, ludic pedagogy, a seriously fun way to teach and learn, written by Sharon Laricella and T. Keith Edmonds. You can find that on Amazon and all the online stuff, but we would encourage you to go to just like Sharon did your local bookstore and see if you can yeah. find yourself a copy. And if you need that information, that will be on our episode page as well, as well as all of Sharon's socials, including her threads. Uh, as we, <laughs> we uh, were joking about on the episode, uh, we will provide that link as well to you uh, and go give her a follow, connect with her. This is somebody you definitely want to be talking to. Will and I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and you can be sure this will probably be not the last time you will see Dr. Batgirl swoop on in into the podcast into the high-tech podcast uh street of gotham uh as we <laughs> as we engage with with sharon so on that note uh next week on the high-tech podcast episode 112 we will ironically be talking about student engagement this came up a little bit during this episode will and i are going to be talking about it next week uh what does student engagement look like specifically we i think will and i want to talk a little bit about this in the higher ed context i know we got some k-12 people listening to hear uh but i encourage you to check it out because i think it will influence uh maybe your continuing education or whatever you're doing in higher ed but there's a lot of as sharon alluded to in this episode there's a lot of conversation going on in higher ed about what does student engagement look like there's kind of this what was us world right now in higher ed where student engagement's at an all-time low i think will and i want to talk a little bit about what student engagement should look like and and what how we could increase that engagement and, and work through it so clearly will and i have all the answers so we will share that in episode 112 uh <laughs> solve the problem that's been continually going on for years uh but listen to that we will also be talking about a app called night lab projects yes night as in the soldier fighting with armor um, it is going to be a cool, a cool experience, a cool app that Will has found for us. Uh, and I'm excited to learn more and talk about it next week on episode 112. As a reminder, please engage with us and find us on Twitter and YouTube at High Tech Podcast. Uh, Will, you you just created a threats account. Is it at High Tech Podcast? Is that the, is that our handle? I don't know how this thing works, but yes, <laughs> that's what I made our name. The, okay. the email address behind it is inbox at hightechpod.us. So if you need to search by email, yeah. you can use our well, inbox. Well, I'm still learning what this, this newfangled thing looks like. But so uh, My name look, is look High Tech Podcast, and right now our avatar is R2D2. So that's that's okay. the best I got for you. All right. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, you can find us there somewhere if you start looking up High Tech Podcast. But again, at High Tech Podcast on Twitter and YouTube. Please make sure if you listen to the podcast, go subscribe on YouTube. Uh, I know we have a lot of people listening on podcast platforms like Spotify and uh, anchor well 
now that's just Spotify for podcasters, uh, but um, <laughs> listening on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, and that's great. Uh, but Will and I also post clips and things that are not episode content um, to YouTube. And so if you don't subscribe there and check that out, you are missing out on some content over there. So I encourage you to go subscribe to YouTube as well so you can check out other content that we are posting. Uh, again, you can also email us at inbox at hightechpod.us if you're interested in being on the podcast. We have a lot of guests coming up over the next several weeks on the high tech podcast. And that's because people have reached out to us about being on the podcast. So if you have a topic that you're interested in, uh, please hit us up. Uh, We would love to talk with you about it and possibly have you on the podcast, have that conversation. Uh, Reminder as well, our website, hightechpod.us. That is where you can find all the rest of the information about the podcast. And each episode has an episode page with information about the app we talk about or the guests that we have. Uh, So if you want to connect with, Sharon, for instance, all of her socials will be on that website page. So go check out that website page uh, and you can connect with her that way. Again, thank you for joining us for another week as we continue to learn what it looks like to harness or play with technology in the classroom, whether online or in person. See ya. You just got to believe. See ya.